Good to see you guys at Grove Central. Uh, I love Sunday mornings. They're my favorite time of the week to be able to get together. And so thanks for being here at Grove Central with us. Thanks for being online with all us, all those that are tuning in. I uh, appreciate you guys taking time out of your Sunday, out of your week to be with us. And we know today is going to be a message that will challenge all of us. So we end our series today that was called It's Time. And next week we're going to kick off a new series uh, that is desperately needed in our world right now. It'll be a series on relationships. Because if it wasn't for people, this world would be really easy, right? Well, I guess I'm still a person. So if there's nobody else, I would still get myself in trouble. So it would still be hard. Relationships within ourselves. And so we're going to talk through relationships next week uh, into, in the month of February. It's going to be a great, great series that we'll be, we're preparing. And I just want to encourage you to make sure you're here. Uh, if you're online watching, tune, tune online. If you want to come join us at Grove Central, we have two services. You can come in person. And uh, there's almost always space. So come and join us. And we'd love to see you guys here. All right. So let's end our uh, series called It's Time. We're going to wrap this up today. And uh, really, it's, it's, it's about saying it's time to get on track. It's time to, to figure out all those things that you've always wanted to do and do them, right? Not put off tomorrow what you've been putting off yesterday and the years before. Let 2021 be the year that we accomplish these things. Let, let this year be the year that we do this. Because here's the truth. Today is January 31st. It's the last day of January, right? You'll never be able to have another January 20, 2021 in your life ever again. Like whatever you did with January, that's all it was. You can't go back and relive it. You can't go back and change it. The same with 2020, 2019. You can't go back and change those things. So what if we lived with intentionality that said, hey, let's make 2021 the best year it could possibly be. It's time, right, to get on track. It's time to begin to do those things that, we've been, that we know we're supposed to do. Uh, because here's what we said, that the direction of your life is determined by the decisions you make every single day. So if you want 2021 to be a great year, you have to decide on a daily basis if you're walking in that, dire- that direction to have success in finances, in relationships, and so this series is saying, come on, beep, beep, it's time, the light is green, let's go, let's get to where we need to be, because at some point in your life, at some point in your life, and even at some point at the end of this year, you're going to end up somewhere, let's do it on purpose, let's end up where we want to end up, right, let's, let's choose to be in that, to, to get to that place that we want in all the different areas of our life, uh, because we said this, when it comes to decision making, um, there's one element of our life that makes it really hard, right, it's, our, it's, it's us as a person, our bodies are the chemicals in our brain, right, our heart, our flesh, uh, the emotions of our life, uh, they, they, it can become like fog in our life, right? It, it distorts and, and it causes us to lose sight of the broader context. So when, when it comes to decision-making, if we're not careful, we'll let emotions dictate where we're going. Because emotions, like a fog, right, they cause us to lose sight of the bigger story of what's going on. And so this whole series has really been trying to navigate, when it comes to making decisions, don't let the emotions of the day, don't let the emotions of the season, don't let emotions of 2020 or the elections overtake you that you make decisions that you'll later regret right so don't let that and so um we've been pushing against that saying let's choose later not just for the moment don't just make the decision in the in the immediate of how you feel but but think down the road into the into the future all right and so we said if you're going to make good decisions uh better decisions come when you ask better questions so up to this point whatever you whatever you have financially right you you've been making decisions through some kind of filter right of how to live Am I going to live for the moment? Am I going to live for the day? Am I going to live for the pleasure? Or am I going to live for something greater down the road? And the questions you ask yourself before purchasing things has determined what the results that you have. The questions you ask yourself before saving for something or spending it determines what you have in your life, right? And so we said if you ask a few questions, specifically five questions that we've given you through this series, if you ask these questions, you'll make better decisions. We said the first question, when you're ever at a point you don't know what to do, ask this question. What one thing if it got better, would make the biggest difference in my life. So if you don't know where to start financially or in a relationship, just ask the question, 
What one thing, if it got better, would make the biggest difference in my life? And then start there. Start doing something about that, right? That's the starting point. The second question we asked second week was, am I being honest with myself, really? Honesty has, to, has a big part in our, in our decision-making because if we're not honest, we'll talk ourselves into things that we shouldn't talk ourselves into. We'll deceive ourselves and lie to ourselves because really we're not being honest, really, right? So that was week two. Now week three, probably my favorite question that you should apply to any decision-making is, what story do I want to tell? Specifically young people. The younger you are, the more you ask this question, the more likely you will actually tell a good story. So before you make a decision, maybe your friends are pressuring you to do something. In that, you have to ask yourself, what story do I want to tell when all this is said and done? I'd give a peer pressure. I just followed the crowd. Um, if, if at one point I'm going to have to lie to my parents about this decision I'm about to make, that's not a good story. You don't want to tell that story. So let that be a filter before you make your decision, right? That's called legacy questions. A good, write a good story. And then last week we said, is there a tension that deserves my attention? This is a great question, especially if you're afraid of conflict, if you um, don't like tension in your life. So too much tension is not good for us. Dr. Sells that, right? Too much, if you're overwhelmed, too much stress, it's bad. But a little tension is actually good for us. It, it keeps us on our toes. It keeps us alert. It keeps us aware. And too many people, they think that is a bad thing and they run away from it, where in fact, it might be the very thing we need to address to become better people, right? And so I said last week, if there's ever a tension in your life, don't run away from it. Ask the question, why does this bother me so much? Pause and time out before you make a decision that you kind of have this kind of like a, a red flag about, right? So is there a tension in my life that deserves attention? If so, deal with that. Otherwise, you just carry it from the past into the future, and you miss out on what God wants to do in your life. So pay attention to the tension is what we said last week, all right? Um, Luke 9, Jesus says this in Luke 9. He says if you're gonna, he's talking to people that want to follow him. He says no procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off until tomorrow. You have to seize the day. So in 2021, in January, it's about to be February, right? What are you gonna, how are you going to live in February? He's saying you can't just put all your decisions off until March or into April or into 2022. No, it's got to start now. So God's kingdom doesn't start when you die. It starts today. So make sure you seize the day. Make sure you make wise choices in the moment because they're going to lead to outcomes in the future. So don't drag the difficulties from yesterday into today and put them off because then you just continue doing that, right? If you don't deal with today's difficulties, you only keep dragging them off into the future. So focus on the day. Make sure you make good choices today, right, in your life. Um, so here's the, the fifth question I want to ask. This is an important one. If you ever want to add a filter to this, uh, to your life, ask this question. Uh, what is the wise thing to do? What is the wise thing to do? So here's the fifth question I, I would encourage you to ask the decision-making is what is the wise thing to do? All right, so we have some drivers in the house. So tell me this. Uh, when you're driving down the road, what is the acceptable speed limit to go over the speed limit? Like what is the, the acceptable speed for you to go over the speed limit? Is it three miles, five miles, nine miles? 10, no, 10 is like a no-no, right? Like, no, no, 10, they're going to pull me over. That's like, that's too big of a margin. So somebody said three, I heard five, four, yeah. So when it comes to, to, to driving, it seems like most people are pretty comfortable with kind of, you know, kind of going over the speed limit just a little bit. But there's a certain point where we're like, no, that's not acceptable, right? Um, and so we get to this point, but here, some go under, but most, most go a little over. Some very few stay at the, stay at, at, at the speed limit, right? We, we get to a place where we've just been comfortable knowing I'm not going to get pulled over for this, this speed, right? I'll be comfortable there. Well, when it comes to driving, honestly, that's not really that big of a deal. But we, too many people, we, we uh, function in life the same way. How close to the line can I get before I get in trouble? How much debt can I occur and, and take on before it sinks me, right? How, how close can I get to this temptation, right? It's not, and even some things aren't bad, right? How, things that, that maybe are, are fine, it's, it's, 
how close can I get to this? And we tend to, to go through this filter of, um, is it right or is it wrong? And, and how do I define right and wrong? And maybe it's wrong for somebody else, but it's really not wrong for me. And, and we, we tend to try, to try to figure out where in our life are we comfortable pushing the limits, right? Here's, the, here's why this is dangerous. Um, it's not the wise thing, right? Because too many times we get focused on good and bad when some things that are actually good for us aren't going to be beneficial. Paul says it like this. He says, um, there's some things that are permissible, but, but just because they're permissible doesn't mean they're beneficial. There's some things that you can do that's not sin, it's not wrong, it's not evil, it's not bad, but it's not going to benefit your life. It's not going to add value to it. And there's a lot of things in culture that they say you should do that aren't beneficial. We, we don't have to categorize them as sin. It's just they're not beneficial. And when we begin to, to, to think, uh, filter through right and wrong, we could miss on really choosing the better thing, the best thing for our lives, right? So just because there's not a law attached to it doesn't mean we should do it, right? Um, it's not just about avoiding wrong or evil or even sin. It's about saying, what is the wise thing to do? Here's where I get this out of Scripture. Let me tell you what Paul says. In Ephesians 5, Paul says this. He says, be very careful then how you live. So he wants you to be what? Say, everybody say careful. Careful. Right? Work with me, guys. Careful. Right? So he's saying, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise. So we can say another way, don't be careless with your life. Um, have you guys ever been to somebody's house that has a lot of dogs? Right? Anybody been to somebody's house that has a lot of dogs? And, uh, and the yard it has, like, grass and stuff. And when you're walking to the property, they might say, hey, hey, be careful where you step. Why would a person with a lot of dogs say, be careful where you step? Be very careful where you step. Because they know that these dogs have a tendency to eat food and then use the restroom all over the lawn, right, in the, in the, in the yard. And if you're not careful, you'd be walking and you might step in it. This is the picture Paul's kind of given us when he says, be careful. Don't be careless. Be careful with how you live, right? Because if you're not careful, you'll step in something that's going to follow you for a while. You might step in it, and that's bad enough. You're like, oh, your shoe's dirty now. And worse, if you don't realize that you take it in the house, and then now the house has it, right? And if you don't even aware of it, at some point in the day, you're like, what is that smell that keeps following me everywhere, right? So he's saying in life, you have to be careful because there's decisions in our life when we're walking through that if we're, if we're careless, We'll step in things and we'll make a mess of our life. In a culture, they, a lot of times they, they, they can care less about what God wants and what he has. And this is the picture. They, they walk around just making decisions, not aware of what they're doing, and they make a mess of their life. And those things they step in follow them for a long time. So Paul is saying, be careful. Not, as you live, not as unwise, but as a wise person. So what is the wise thing today to do, right? He's saying, be a wise person. He goes on and says this, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So be careful. Live as a wise person, making the most of every opportunity. What is he saying? Don't waste your time. Don't waste your life, right? Choose to live without regret. Make decisions in such a way that you look back and you don't regret them. Because most of the times when we regret things, we didn't filter by saying what's the wise thing. We said, is it permissible? Is it, is it, am I going to go to jail for it? No? Okay, maybe it's not that bad. But it wasn't wise, and so we still did it. He's saying make the most of, most of every opportunity, right? Start living without regret um, because the days are evil. So in his culture, he started to the, the church in Ephesus, and there was a lot of, of worship of all these different gods and all these different practices they did. And um, there, was, there was one religion where you would, you would go to the, the temple prostitutes to have a connection with God, right? Every guy loved that. Like, well, part of my worship is going to the temple prostitutes and going there. It it was just an evil culture, and he's saying, be careful because culture, just remember this, it always drifts 
away from God. Culture always drifts away into the easy flow, right? So he's saying culture, be careful because culture is not morally neutral. We tend to think like it's going to just all work out, right? No, if you're not careful, you step in all this stuff in your life, and then you have all these, these issues in your life. So he's saying we live in a world that's been drifting away from God since the beginning, right? And culture always encourages us to do whatever feels good, whatever is easy. So here's what culture is like. It's like a river, right? So if you go to a river and you get a stick and you throw the stick in the river, what direction is that stick going to float? It's going to go with the current down, right? Downstream, wherever the current is going. Now, the greater the river, the greater the current. Like the bigger the river, right? And the, the, the further down it goes. That's kind of what culture is. So the more people begin to speak into these ideas, the stronger the current goes, the faster culture goes in those directions, in that direction they want to go. And if we're not careful, we'll get in with it, and we'll be looking with, – without even realizing it, we're going downstream in a very uh, a negative direction without even realizing it. So just because culture is going that direction doesn't mean we, we should. In fact, this is kind of like when he says the days are evil. He's saying culture is going to drift away from God. Jesus said there's, there's a narrow way that leads to God, right? It's a narrow way. It's a hard way. It's a difficult way. And there's a broad way, an easy way that leads to destruction, leads to death. It leads to hell. Most people go on the broad way. They jump in with the current. They just say, let's just see where this takes us. Paul is saying, don't live that way. Don't just go with the flow. Don't just walk around the yard stomping and not being aware of where you're stepping. Be aware of what's going on. So make the most of every opportunity because we live in a world, a culture that is drifting away from God. So what is the wise thing to do? Paul says, when you're making decisions, what is the wise thing to do? What are the things that you want to live with, right? And why is it not always the easy thing? Notice it's not, the question is not what is the easy thing to do, because that's what culture usually says. What's the, easy, what's the easiest route to, to get to, to the most pleasure I can get, right? So watch your step. What is the wise thing to do? You don't spread it everywhere. Then he goes on and says this. He, feed, he wraps it up by saying, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So he's saying don't be a fool, right? You're gonna, you have to live with wisdom. Don't, don't, mean, don't live in such a way that you're a foolish person. So scripture says there's a, one of the ways it defines foolishness is a fool is somebody who, who says in their heart there is no God. So they live in such a way as to deny there is, there is a God that exists. That's one, one form of foolishness, right? Another, another definition of fool is a person that I like is they don't connect the dots from their decisions today into the outcomes next year or down the road. Like there's a disconnect. They don't realize that their choice is going to have an outcome. So a foolish person doesn't see the connection. For them, it's just, it's all going to work out in the end. I'll just go, I'm, just, I'm going to just do this, live this way, and it's not going to be that big of a deal. But that's not how it works. See, a wise person understands if you want apples, you have to plant apple seeds, and you have to water it, right? A foolish person says, I want apples, I'll just go to Walmart and buy some apples. And they don't know the connection that somebody had to grow those apples for you to enjoy. It didn't just show up on a shelf. And a foolish person just thinks, it's all going to work out, I'll just go down to the store and get them later. And they don't make the connection. A wise person understands my actions today produce the outcomes tomorrow. So Paul is saying make sure you are wise and understand what the Lord's will is. This is that um, at a point where you're saying, okay, uh, up to this point, I know there's things that God has put in me to know what is right and wrong. And, and I know it because when I do wrong, I'm, I have shame, I have guilt, I have some, some remorse. There's things that pop up in us, right? It's, a, it's our conscience we talked about last week. So understand that God is asking you to do some specific things that you already know to do. And he's saying, make sure you just do what you know to do. Like understand what God is. Seek him. Learn from him, right? Um, don't be a fool. Be a wise person. Understand what God is trying to do in your life. That's what a wise person is like. Um, so there's a connection between today and tomorrow.
So when I was about uh, 12 or 13, my, my uh, youth group, my student, group, uh, student ministry uh, when I was growing up, they did a challenge for all the students. We, 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 we challenged each other to read the Bible in the year. So we all went to the store. We bought these Bibles. They're called the One-Year Bible. And the Bible is broken up with the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, and Proverbs. So every single day you'll read some Old Testament, some New Testament, and then there's always a, a Psalm and a Proverb. And by the time the year is over, you'd have read through all the New Testament, all the Old Testament. I think Psalms, Proverbs, you'd have went through twice. Maybe it was the Proverbs twice. And so uh, at a young age, I started this habit of doing this, right? We'd read, and I, I didn't get it every single day. There were some days I didn't get to it, but I would just kind of go to the next day and just kind of keep up. And after a few years, I remember um, kind of getting this routine of reading, and there were some days I just read to read and tried to get through it, and I'd be like, what did I read? I don't know. I just read to read. And other days, I would really get something out of it. And there was one day I was reading this story about this king who was young, and he becomes king, and, um, and as, a, as a young person, he has to make a decision. And I was reading this story, and I'm going to read for you in a second, but it, it, I remember it just captivating me because I was young, and I could relate to what he was at, uh, his age he was at. Uh, he might have been maybe a similar age, maybe a little older than I was when he became king. So he was young. And so um, this is where it picks up in Second Chronicles. This story is found in two places. It's found in Second Chronicles. It's also found in First Kings 3. It says that, that Solomon, who was David's son, he became king at a young age. So, so David appoints Solomon as king. He's very young. There's different ages, they think, but somewhere probably he's in his teens, right? Young teens where he's, he's becoming king. And it says that he went to Gibeon to go worship. Him and the people went to go seek God and ask him for help. So he went to this place called the, the Tent of Meeting to, to inquire of God and to ask him um, um, some, some questions about, about life and help. And it says that that night, after they worshiped and took some offerings, that night God appeared to Solomon and said, so this would be kind of be like today, right? You come to the church and you're saying, I want to um, maybe hear something from God today, right? I want, to, I want to have an encounter. And then maybe tonight you go home and have this dream. This is kind of like what Solomon would have experienced, right? So he's going to, going to the temple, going to church, and then he goes home, and it says that night God appeared to him. And Kings, it says in a dream, right? This one doesn't say dream, but he appeared to him. And it, this is what God asked him. Ask for whatever you want for me to give you. Ask me whatever you want for me to give to you. What is it that you want? How many of you guys would love for God to ask you that question? What would your answer be today? Like if God said, hey, I want to give you something. What do you want for me to do, to do for you today? What is your request? What would you answer? Well, as a young person, you can only imagine all the thoughts that probably went through Solomon's head. Like what, what could I ask God for? And it says this, it says, Solomon answered God and said, you've shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. So it's you that made my dad king, and now you made me in his place because my dad's gone. He says, now, Lord God, let your promise to my father, David, be confirmed, for you have made me king over all people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. And king, says, he says, I'm only a child. I don't know how to carry out my duties. So you recognize he was young. He didn't have the wisdom maturity to do this. And so he says, here's his request. He says, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. So he says, give, give your servant a discerning heart is how King says it, to be able to govern the people, distinguish between right and wrong, how to, how to, just, how to lead justly. And this is the request. God, give me wisdom and give me knowledge. And notice what God says. God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire, and you have not asked for wealth, possessions, or honor. And just for a side note, um, God's going to give us insight into what most people pray and ask for all the time, right? So he's saying, all right, Solomon, so since you've asked for, there's a good request. You didn't ask for wealth or possessions or honor or the death of your enemies, right? Popular prayer. And since you've not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king. 
to saying you recognize your place in this world. You're not, you're, not, you're not the ultimate authority. I am, but I put you in the role that you're in, and you recognize that. So we're all put in places, right, in our families, in the workplace, in the roles that we need to be. And he, he's saying because you recognize that, therefore, he says, wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. So he grants his request. I'm going to give you knowledge. I'm going to give you wisdom. He says, I'll also give you wealth, possessions, and honor. You, all the things you didn't ask for, I'm also going to bless you with those things, such as no king who was ever before you has had, and none after you will ever have. Another, another king that says, if you'll walk in obedience to keep my decrees, I'll give you a long life also. So, so essentially God says, because you asked for wisdom and not for wealth, I'm going to bless you in that. So I remember as a young person, I read this, and I said, wow, that was a great prayer. It worked for him. I wonder if that would work for me as well. And from a sincere heart, I said, God, I want wisdom like him. Would you give me wisdom and understanding and knowledge so I can understand how life works? Essentially, I was saying, God, this is a big yard, and there's a lot of stuff all over the ground. Help me to navigate around all this stuff so I don't make a mess of my life. And I recognized at a young age, I said, God, I want to do this. And junior high was my, my years I struggled. You know, I was trying to fit in with pop, be popular with the crowd. One way at school, one way at family, at church, at home. And I had the, that internal battle of trying to decide who am I going to be. Well, high school is a different story. High school is where I went all in. I wasn't perfect, still made mistakes, but I, I made the decision to say, God, I'm going to follow you. And it was from this prayer in my life that I began to see things that others didn't. God answered my prayer. I remember my friends would say, hey, let's do this. And almost in my mind's eyes, I can see the yard. And I'm like, let's go do this. Let's play. And I'm like, whoa, you don't want to play there. There's all kinds of stuff on the floor there. Like, there's been a lot of dogs over there. and That's not going to end well. And they didn't see it. It was like they were oblivious and, and unaware of what they were about to do in their life. And somehow God, I believe, answered my prayers to see things that others didn't, didn't really recognize and see. He helped me to see down the road a little further than they did. And still, some of my friends have made decisions where they have trampled and stepped on stuff that still follows them even today. So Solomon is saying, give me wisdom, right? Help me to become the person you want me to become. Because um, here, here's the truth, is nobody's going to drift into being healthy. No one does. No one drifts into an A. Have you ever like, just woke up and like, wow, I didn't do anything and I got an A? Well, I haven't done anything for my boss and I got a raise. Right? Wow, I got out of debt without him trying to do nothing. Nobody drifts into health on accident. It takes work. You work yourself into an A, right? You work yourself into a raise. You work yourself into savings. It takes, it takes intentionality. Why? Because if you just drift through life, you're not going to end up anywhere that's worth going. You'll wake up and you'll be like, where in the world, where, where in the world am I? So don't just drift with culture. Don't just go with the flow. Learn to say, all right, only living things swim upstream. Only people who decide to live healthy will be able to swim up that stream. And what does God call us to as Jesus followers? To follow him, to go upstream. Sometimes to get out of the water and get away from culture so we can go a different direction. He invites us into it. So one of the first times I went to the ocean, um, I remember I was with a, with a group of people, and uh, one, of the, one of the guys that was with us was, was a lot of students, and, and we are going to go hang out in the ocean and swim. And the guide says, hey, make sure you get a point of reference. He says, notice, notice this big house right here, all right? Here's a great reference point. He says, make sure you never lose where this is. Because he was about to teach us something I didn't know growing up because I didn't grow up by the ocean. That there's a strong current in the ocean, right? Part of it's going to pull you, could pull you under, but part of it's going to just pull you in the direction it's going. And they said, make sure you see this because at some point you're going to be playing, having fun. You're going to look up and you're going to say, who moved the house? Right? Who moved that house? Where did it go? And if you're not careful, you'll look up and you'll not see it in sight anywhere because you have been not paying attention. And so they said, every now and then look up, 
Make sure the house is still in sight. And then when you get to this point of the, you know, the, the beach, you know, these, these rocks, make sure you get out, walk back to the house, maybe a little past, and then get back in, right? What are they saying? They're saying if you're not careful, you'll drift off into the unknown and even out into sea, and possibly your life will be taken from you. Well, in our, life, in our world, if we're not careful, we don't have reference points, if we don't have a way to anchor ourselves to say as, as culture drifts, as the world goes a certain direction, if we're not careful, we'll look up and say, who moved the house? Who moved my life? Who, who messed up all my relationships? If we just drift along, we have to have some reference points. So as we ask this question, what is the wise thing to do? I think there's three reference points that we have to, we have to add to it to really make it uh, the best it could possibly be, to really help us to have this good filter, right? The first one is this. In light of my past experience, what is the wise thing for me to do, right? In light of my current circumstances and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? So in light of my past, in light of my current, and in light of my future, what is the wise decision I should make right now? So we'll walk through these three reference points, right? If you look up, you're in the you're searching, and you're, you're kind of drifting along. Maybe you look up and you realize you're off course. Here's, here's a great question to ask, right? In light of my past experience, what is the wise thing for me to do? So in light of your family history, in light of what your parents struggled with, in light of some of the things that you maybe saw growing up, in light of how you maybe um, handled debt in the past, what is the wise thing for you to do right now? You know, there's some people uh, that during the beginning of the year or some point in the year, they'll get their credit cards out of their wallet and they'll cut them up, right? Dave Ramsey recommends this for a lot of people. And they cut it up. Why? Because credit cards are bad. For some people, they are. For most, maybe not. They could be a tool, right? But he, they get out and they – because they understand this. When they ask the question, in light of my past experience when it comes to credit card debt, what is the wise thing for me to do? Stay away from it. Because they racked up credit card debt and lost houses and cars and lost all their stuff, right? Because they couldn't manage it. So in light of their past experience, it's a really good, wise thing to avoid that. For others, not so. But if you ask the question, is it wrong or right, you might make a wrong choice still. The unhealthy, the unwise choice. So a lot of your past experiences, what is it that you should avoid? What is it that you should start doing? In light of what you've been putting off, what is it that you should be doing? George uh, Santayana, he says this, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And too often, we have a short memory and we forget things in the past. And when we don't, when we do that, we actually repeat them in politics and culture, in our family, in our, in our life. So if we don't remember what got us in trouble today, what we did yesterday, we'll keep doing those same things and keep getting in trouble even in the future. So in light of my past, right, in light of all of my experience, what is the wise thing for me to do today? Second reference point is in light of my current circumstances, what is the wise thing for me to do? So in light of where I'm at currently, what is the wise thing for me to do when it comes to my health? You know, some people, it takes a doctor saying, you really need to change your diet or you're going to die. It's amazing that when a doctor tells people that, they change very quickly, right? Like, whoa, death or eating better? I'll change it. Because they have some, they have a reason to actually start doing it, right? So in light of my current circumstances, right? In light of my current finances. So let's say you go to the store and you find this killer pair of shoes. Anybody like some shoes, Right? Normally, like $500 are on sale for like $250, and you're like, it's like, it's 50% off. These are awesome shoes. You start talking yourself into it, right? They're going to last like 10 times longer than other shoes because they're high quality. You know, they're going to be awesome. But then you look at your bank account, and it says you only have X amount of money left for the month. And you know that's only enough to carry you through the month. So in light of my current circumstances financially, what is the wise thing for me to do? Is it Would it be wrong to buy those shoes because it's such a great deal? Not necessarily, but it wouldn't be wise. 
because now you won't have money for the rest of the month, and now you have to figure other ways, right, to figure things out. So maybe in that moment you'd say, in light of my current circumstances, that wouldn't be the wise thing. So I'm going to defer and say I'm going to wait. And typically, if you if you want to know the truth, anytime you're making a decision and you're trying to filter the current, most of the time it's I'm going to wait. Somebody does something that makes you mad, you don't respond, you pause, you wait. In light of my current circumstances, in light of what's what's happening inside of me, I'm going to just wait and not do anything in the moment. I'm going to defer and trust. Maybe seek God and pray in that moment. So. If you don't know where you're currently at, you'll never be able to get to where you want to go. If you don't know where you currently are, you'll never be able to get to the, this destination. If you called a taxi company today, Uber or somebody, and they said, hey, can you take me to Albuquerque? They say, sure, where are you at? I don't know. Um, just take me to Albuquerque. Sir, I can't help you if I don't know where you're at. I can't pick you up. Are you in Santa Fe? Are you in Colorado? Are you in China? <laughs> and how much is it going to cost? Well, I don't know. It depends on where you're at. Too many people have drifted off in their life, and they don't even know where they're at financially, relationally. They just kind of go with the flow. But they want better, but they just don't know how to get there because they don't even know where they're currently at. So in light of your current, you have to figure out where you currently are so you can begin to make better decisions. Right? That's about being honest, where you really are financially, relationally, spiritually. And until you are, you actually won't make any progress towards where you really want to be because you're not addressing where you currently are. So that's the second reference point. The third reference point is in light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do so what is it that you hope for down the road what kind of relationships do you want to have right so culture just says live in the moment live for now but some of those choices that we make culturally don't lead to healthy relationships they actually lead to breakdown in relationships so if you're a young person and you want to have a really really healthy marriage one day well what is the wise to how should i handle relationships today to get me to a healthy relationship then what are the things i need to say no to today so i can get there if you want to have a healthy uh, financial future, right, maybe some retirement, maybe there's some dream vacations you want to go on, well, in light of your future goals, how should you handle money today? What should you do with what you have today to prepare for that? A foolish person says, eh, live it up. We'll figure it out then. And then when they get there, they have nothing to figure out. They don't have what they wanted, right? So a wise person says, in light of what I want to get to, where I want to be, how do I get there? So for me, um, my, my for sincerity to myself, we said, here's, here's the goal for our marriage, right? When our kids leave the house, we want to be more in love with each other then than when we first got married. We don't drift into that. Just so you know, marriage does, it just don't show up like that. It takes work. It takes intentionality. It takes fighting for that marriage, right? It takes, it takes um, effort. For us, that's the goal we set. In light of our future hopes and dreams, what do we need to do today to get to that, to that destination? Can I tell you, it's work. It's an it's a, it's a investing, and it's, it's, it's saying this is a priority for my life. So for you, in light of your future open dreams, do you want some A's in school? Well, in light of that, maybe you shouldn't stay up till 3 or 4 in the morning playing games, right? Not, because it's bad? Not necessarily. It's not wise because you're not going to be sharp for the next day. Does that make sense? So what is the, what is the wise thing to do? So essentially you can say it like this. What can I do to set myself up for success later? What can I do today to set myself up for success tomorrow? What can I do today to set myself up for healthy finances, healthy relationships? What can I do? What's the wise thing to do today to be able to set myself up to accomplish all those things that I get to do? So when you ask the question, what is the wise thing to do? You have to ask for me to do, right? You have to add that. So what is the wise thing for me to do in this situation? See, here's the thing about Solomon. God answered his prayer, but Solomon didn't even take his own advice. If you read through Proverbs, he told his kids what to do, what not to do. And you know what he did? The opposite. 
It's almost like Solomon thought he was exempt. He exempted himself from stepping in all the stuff in the yard, right? Like, guys, make sure you're careful walking around, but not for me. I'm just going to walk wherever I want. If you read the story of Solomon, he didn't take his own advice. And if we're not careful, we'll know what to do, but we don't do it. You can know what's right. You can know the wise thing. But the second part is how do I – now i got to do this. i got to make sure that I step into it because understanding is different than just knowing. Understanding is saying this is how I apply it today. This is how I become that person by saying yes to these things today, not waiting until tomorrow. So here's one skill to a better story. Here's one skill to a better outcomes. If you'll ask yourself, what is the wise thing to do? In light of my past, in light of my current circumstances, in light of what I want to accomplish in the future, what is the wise thing for me to do today? Don't be like Solomon. Don't ignore your own advice. Take it. Don't just read scripture and get understanding, get, get knowledge. Seek God for understanding how to apply this, how to live it out. Because you're not exempt from the outcomes. These too many people say, well, it's not sin, or even if I do mess up, God's going to forgive me anyways. Yes, but he doesn't take away the, 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 the um, consequences of what you chose. They still follow you. The smell is going to linger for a while. You're going to have to deal with the stuff you step in. So be people who are, like Paul says, careful with how you live. You're walking, know you're walking. So maybe you're like, well, that's great for Solomon. That's great for you. Nice stories. But how does, how does it help me? Well, James, who's the half-brother of Jesus, maybe one of the greatest um, testimonies for the, for the gospel is, how do you convince a half-brother that you're God? You die on the cross and you come back to life, right? And then he believed because he didn't believe up to that point. James, he writes this, this great book uh, in the New Testament. Uh, it's, a, it's a wisdom book of the New Testament. He's, he's talking about how we should um, live our lives. And he says in life we're going to face things that are difficult, but don't look at them in a negative way. Make sure we see it the way God wants to see it. And he says, hey, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously, generously. So if you, any of you in a situation you don't know what to do, ask God. And he's not going to just give you a little bit. He's going to be generous with what he gives with wisdom to all without finding fault. So what does this mean? He's not going to like be like, well, last time I told you something to do and you, you ignored it. So shame on you. I'm not going to help you this time. No, he, he, this is one of the prayers he wants us to ask is for wisdom to know how to live, right? Without finding fault and it will be given to you. So James says, guys, if you're ever in a situation you don't know what to do, ask God for help. He'll give you insight. He'll give you wisdom on what to do. Sometimes it's just one step. Sometimes it's not the whole picture. It's just one thing. And if you do that, you'll begin to walk that way. He goes on and says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So the person that really doesn't believe, and essentially they hear God speak it, but they don't really don't think that's the answer. Like They're not going to walk in that direction. They're like the person who just jumps in the river with culture and is tossed and turned. Wherever they go, they just kind of end up there. There. He says, that person is double-minded and unstable in all of they do. That person, they're going to end up somewhere, but it's not going to be on purpose. It'll be an accident. It'll be a default. They'll, they won't drift into something better. It'll drift into something worse. Don't be that person. Then be a person that asks for wisdom and then actually walks out what God asks you to do. So on Sundays, when you come to church and you, you read your Bible on maybe the Monday or Tuesday, and you get something, there's one thing that God wants you to hold on to, live that thing out. Or... You become an unstable person because it's, oh, I'll do that, I'll do this. I'll wait for the, what I want, not just for what God is saying. No, no. Let, it, let God to help you on this journey. And James is saying when you find yourself in difficult situations, if you have wisdom, you have God's perspective, you'll see the challenges as a benefit, as something to build you, make you stronger, not as a curse, not as something to, be, to, to try to avoid. And that's what he's saying. In these situations, ask God to help you see what only 
he can help you see. Help, 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 let him allow him. So in um in 2013, um, I I had a, a huge decision to make in my life, my family's life. Um, in 2013, up to this point, I'd been it had been 14 years that I've been working as a as a pastor in different roles um, and uh, different churches. And um, for the last 14 years, um, I had uh, had the privilege of, of doing that. But for the previous three years, I was in a, on a on a church staff that I had a salary for the first time. Right, so I had a, a full salary that I, I could provide for my family. So for those three years, it was pretty awesome because it was the first time being a pastor that I was able to provide and not have to do side jobs. Because up to that point, I was bivocational. I was pastor, but also a lot of side work and did all those things. So in 2013, um, I had to make a decision. Right? Um, do I trust God or do I stay in a role just so I can keep a salary? Um, and, and, and we were walking through this decision. We, we, there's some fasting and praying, just seeking out what to do. It was hard. It was very difficult. And I remember, remember the beginning of this message and even a few weeks ago, I said emotion is like a fog, right? It causes you to lose sight of the broader context. That's exactly what's happened to me. I felt like there was this battle. Like I knew, I sense God was telling me to do this next thing, but I was uncertain of what it was going to look like. And, and I felt like um, it was just difficult to know what the next step was supposed to be. Like I don't want to let my family down. I don't want to put us in a, a worse situation, you know, and I, it was really hard. And so God was asking me essentially to step into the unknown, and it was kind of like a fog. And I had a pastor friend that we were meeting and talking. He said, how's things going? I was telling him my dilemma. He says, hey, um, so he said, let's pray. And, and we prayed, and, he, and as he was praying, it's like God gave him this picture. He says, Eric, I think God gave me a picture for you. And I was like, what, you, what is it? And he says, well, I saw you, and you were in the cloud, all right? So it was foggy. You're like in a fog, and you're holding this rope. And as it looks like you're holding this rope, it doesn't look, look like much, but as I, as I can like, get above the cloud, I, I see a hand above holding this rope that's kind of leading and he says, he says, I don't know what's going on. Like, you know, you didn't know like about the emotional fog and stuff. He just knew how to make a decision. He says, I think God just says, wants me to tell you, just trust him. But in this difficult situation, he's going to lead you through what you need to do. And that was encouraging for me because those are the part of the prayers I was praying is, God, I'll, I'll say yes to whatever you're asking. Even if it means leaving, stepping in the known, like, like Abraham, right? You don't know where God's leading, but you're going to trust him. And we said yes. And we stepped away from this salary. And essentially, um, in 2013 into 14, um, I walked – I. It, it, we did the math, and we lived on a third of what we did the year before. I don't know how that's possible in Santa Fe, but God essentially performed a miracle. So my wife, she made tortillas and salsa. I did some side side work, and, and, and just we hustled, right? We did whatever it took to survive, to live. And in that year, we, we worked, and, and what that year was, preparation for us to start the Grove. And the reason we stepped away, because we believe God was saying, you have to prepare for the next thing. And so we began to train and learn all this stuff, and in that year, even though it was difficult, and even though we lived on less than we ever lived before, God provided. He took care of us. Like, we didn't lack anything. I look back, and I look at the numbers, and I said, I don't know how it's possible to do that. I guess only God can do that, and we give him the credit for it. But I, I can only imagine, what if I didn't step into it? What if I would let the emotion, the fog of, of the uncertainty, keep me from making the decision God was asking me to? And essentially, what, what, what the, the, my friend, as he prayed for me, he said, just trust God. He's going to lead you, right? You can't see the the the, the mind the land the the mind filled all around on the on the floor of what's taking place, but God can. He'll lead you through it all. Just trust Him as He as He as He leads you into the into the unknown. And I'm so glad we did because um, we started the grove we, a year and a half later. We we built a team and God provided finances. And what what a lot of uh, other people said was going to be impossible, God showed up and did the impossible here in Santa Fe. And uh, it's just been amazing. So when I look at 2020, some people say, like, man, that's a hard year. 
Well, the reason 2020, and I said this before, is it hasn't been the hardest year for me is because I lived through 2013, and I lived through 2008, and I had other seasons in my life that were harder. Don't get me wrong. I know 2020 was hard for a lot of people. For me personally, it wasn't harder than those, those years and those situations. So for me, when I face something like 2020 or difficult situations, I look back and say, huh, God was faithful then. He's going to be faithful now. God led me back then. He's going to lead me now. Don't let the emotions get you off track. Don't make a foolish decision now because you're frustrated. Don't make a foolish cho- decision because you can't see the whole picture. Just trust God. And essentially, my prayer is still the same. God, give me wisdom on how to lead. For my kids, I have four kids, and um, all of them are slightly different personalities. So my prayer for my, myself and sincerity is, God, give us wisdom how to raise each of our kids to become the person you want them to become. Because it's going to take that. I can't do it without his help. So I ask for wisdom. You know what God does? He gives us wisdom. He gives us insight. He leads me to resources and the people who are smarter than me when it comes to parenting. And I learn from them and I grow. But I'm trusting him on this journey. He's going to lead us into the unknown if we'll just hold on. So here's my challenge for us today as we end. Would you ask the fifth question? And what is the wise thing for me to do? Learn to add this to your, to your filters when you're going to make a decision. What is the wise thing for me to do? Not what is right or wrong, but what is the wise thing? How can I live in such a way that I avoid the minefield of stuff all over the floor that I don't walk everywhere I'm going? Uh, after service uh, this morning, uh, one of the guys says, man, you sure t- talked about poop a lot. And I'm like, yes, and it's your fault if you step in it this week, right? Because God is challenging you and asking you to say, God, help me to live in a careful way, not careless, but careful, where every step I take and every decision I'm making, I'm seeking counsel, I'm seeking wisdom, I'm seeking God to help me. Because if you don't, and it's your choice, you don't have to. You don't have to listen to everything I, anything I said today. You could filter other ways and ask your other questions, but the consequences aren't ever taken away when we make those choices. We have to walk through those and live through those, right? Live them out. So uh, for us in the room, Maybe as, uh, um, and those watching online, maybe as today I talked about, um, you know, what is the wise thing in your life? There might be one thing, and maybe it's finances. You already know. Like, this is what needs to improve. This is what needs to change. This would be the wise thing. Here's what I would t- challenge you. If you don't know, ask God, right, for wisdom, first of all. But second, if you do know, write it down. So maybe financially there's a couple goals you can set. Write it down. Put it in your mirror. You see it every morning. Let that be a reminder. Hey, in light of where I want to go, in light of where I've been, here's the wise thing for me to do. So stop saying yes to all those things that don't get me there, right? Start saying yes to the things that will. Whatever area of your life it is, relationally, financially, emotionally, mentally, what is the wise thing to do? Write it down, put it somewhere you can see it all the time, and start taking steps towards that. And by the end of 2021, I could I could guarantee that if you do that on a consistent basis, you'll end up where you really want to be at the end of the year. Or in a couple years, or in a few years, you'll get to that place financially or, or other ways, right? Now here, when it comes to spiritually, maybe you're in this room or you're watching online and you would say, you know, when it comes to our walk with God, I'm off track, right? So, so Jesus says this in Matthew 4, 17. He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. So kingdom of God is always about today. It's not about just when you die. It's about what God wants to do today, right? And this word repent just means when you're off track, when you're going your own way, when you're just going with culture, you need to get out of the water and begin to come my way. You need to start swimming upstream. It's, it is harder. It's more difficult to follow Christ than just to go with culture. But you need to do that. You need to change direction. You need to let go of your agenda and get on his agenda. So in your life, maybe spiritually you'd say, you know what? I've been on my own path. I've been doing my own thing. Well, being a Jesus follower means that you get off your path and you follow his path. He's the leader. He's the shepherd. He's the guide. And we trust him. 
So do me a favor. Close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service. If you know what area of your life that God is asking and challenging to do, maybe now in this moment, pray and say, God, help me in that area. Give me wisdom. But if you're here today, maybe spiritually, you're, you're ready to take that step towards Christ. You say, I'm off track. God is not the Lord of my life. I'm, I'm calling the shots. He's not. But today you'd like to get back on track. You'd like to say, God, forgive me. I repent. I'm getting out of the water, and I'm going to go your direction, not my direction. If that's you today. Would you let me know you're here by lifting your hand? If you're online, let me lead you in this prayer. Awesome. Your hand. A couple of hands. Off track. Today you want to get back on track. Awesome. For you that raise your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. For the rest of us in this room, would you pray with, with me and with those that raise their hands so they're not praying alone? If you're online, you want to pray this with us, would you say this? Say, Father God, today I put my trust in you. I want to follow your lead. Forgive me for doing my thing, going my own direction. Today, I choose you. I want to get on track. I want to follow you. Help me. Give me wisdom, how to live my life, how to be careful. How to be wise. Today I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate those that prayed the prayer today. So good.